Hey friends, and welcome to the Happy Hour with Jamie Ivey podcast. I'm your host, Jamie, and I'm so glad you're here. Each week on this show, I invite a friend to join me and we chat about the big things in life, the little things in life, and everything in between. Welcome to the Happy Hour with Jamie Ivey. I'm your host, Jamie, and this is the very first episode of 2023. It's always fun for a first episode. It's always fun to start fresh. Also, this year, we're about to have, in May, we're going to be have our ninth birthday of the Happy Hour. So we're so happy to have another year under our belt. We're happy to start a new year. We have so many amazing things planned for the Happy Hour this year. But I want to introduce you to our very first show. We thought, let's do something different, okay? So normally, we're like, let's bring on like a massive guest and who's going to come on. And this year, we're like, you know what? Let's turn the tables. I host this show every single week. Let's have someone else host the show. So as I thought about it, I thought to myself, who would I trust to ask me the deepest, hardest questions that someone could ask? I looked no further than my friend, Jackie Hill Perry. So today, Jackie is taking uh, the ownership of this show. She is the host. She's asking the questions. She's putting me in the hot seat, and that is an understatement right there. Jackie Hill Perry is here today, and we have some really great conversations. Uh, She starts out the show with the bang. She did not hold anything back. She said, so Jamie, I heard you've been preaching on a Sunday. Tell me about it. Uh, We talked about that, women in leadership and women preaching, and we talk about small sins, and the older you you are, the longer you've been walking with Jesus, how sometimes those are even harder to deal with. Uh, We talked about parenting a little bit. We talked about my obsession that I went back to over the Christmas break because in December, I got the flu, and I started watching Sister Wives again, and Jackie could not understand why, so I tried to explain to her why I loved it so much. You guys, it's a really great show. You guys love Jackie. I love Jackie, and she put me in the hot seat today. I had probably one of the most vulnerable conversations I've ever had on a podcast ever, uh, with Jackie. She didn't plan it. The Lord planned it. Uh, it was hard. I cried. You're going to hear it. Uh, you guys, happy new year. Happy 2023. I hope that by the 4th of January, you are feeling good. You're not overwhelmed. You're looking at the year and saying, what are the good things that God's going to do in my life and in my family and in my church and my community this year? And we want you to know we're cheering you on and all those things. So here it is. Here's my conversation with Jackie, host of the Happy Hour with Jamie Ivey today. Well, hey, Jamie Ivy, welcome to the happy hour. This is the weirdest thing I've ever done in my entire life. Is it? Yeah. How are you? I'm good. Hi, Jackie. How was your day? Uh, it's good. It is uh, Tuesday, December 13th, and our whole team's here, and so it's a fun day. It's a busy full day. Okay. Mm-hmm. So for context, people would not understand why it is I saying, hey, welcome to the happy hour instead of hey, saints and eights. And so I think it would be helpful for you to tell us what's happening here. Okay. What are we doing? So this is the very first episode of 2023. And every year we look at a new calendar and we think to ourselves, who do we want to come on for the first episode? And we try to get, you know, like something big, you know, like, Welcome to the Happy Hour 2023. And this year I was like, how about I just have my friend Jackie interview me? And it's like me on my podcast, but you're asking me the questions. So I feel super vulnerable. I feel like I just welcomed you into my closet, you know, like and it's all dirty and there's clothes all over the floor. And you're like, hey, let me see your life. That's what it feels like. So why do you feel vulnerable? Because uh, I'm not in because- charge. And I, uh. I, I don't know if you feel this way. You have a podcast, you and Preston, and you do other things. When you're in charge, you feel like 
I know how far this is going to go. I know I'll let someone else be vulnerable. I just like control. And I, I feel out of control right now. I mean, the funny thing is, at the end of the day, I can edit this however I want to, but <laughs> but I just feel out of control because you're. I, I told you to be in charge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I'm thankful for the opportunity because, I mean, when me and you get together, we are both very curious and inquisitive people. And so I'm able to just kind of throw all my questions at you and see how you pick them up. And so to start, I just want to go straight there. You told me that you preached at somebody's church. What happened? What, why you preach, what you preach, what, what did you wrestle with? Because, you know, people don't like women preachers. Uh-oh. They, they, <laughs> we start with the bang. Ooh, I just got I mean, sweaty. <laughs> we might as well. Because, I mean, I can understand some of the arguments. We have Second Timothy that talks about women being silent in church and all the things. And so I guess what brought you to that place where you even felt the freedom of conscience, one, to preach but also how did it bode well with you and your family did you um did you and your husband have a conversation like all the things let us know yeah Yeah. well i'll say this i have gotten into a little bit of hot water before in my past and i think you and i've talked about this by saying that i would consider myself a preacher okay so like i would consider myself someone who preaches good news about jesus Mm -hmm. And I personally think that all believers are called to preach the good news of Jesus. And so that is a, I feel confident in that from scripture, from my life, from my accountability, all the things. Um, I don't, I'm not a pastor and I don't want to be a pastor. And that is not even a part of this conversation. Um, And so for me, I have just never really been asked to preach on a Sunday morning. I mean, you and I do the same thing. We travel around the world and preach all the time. It's just usually on a Saturday night or a Thursday night or a Saturday morning. You know what I mean? And so uh, I'd never been asked. One other time, I thought I was preaching on a Sunday morning. And then a couple of weeks before, I I realized I was being interviewed on a Sunday morning. Fine, right? And so they asked, this church did, a mutual friend of mine, Lisa Whittle, has also preached there before. And so they reached out to me. And I felt confident about it from the get-go. I did ask my husband about it. Um, and he felt confident about it as well. The pushback I've gotten, and this is a hard subject for me to talk about because it feels personal, is my church that I attend doesn't have women preach on Sunday mornings, and I'm fine with it. Like, I'm, I have no beef with my church. You know, like, there's a lot of ways that women in our church are preaching through theology classes, through leadership classes, through missional community, all the ways. Our church has a says that elders will preach and be accountable for the Sunday morning teaching. And our elders are men at our church. So I have no beef with it. But I think there was, I had to acknowledge it in my heart anyway, that there was a tension that I was going someplace else to preach on a Sunday morning, but I don't do that at my church, in my home church. And honestly, I'm okay with that. Like I, 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 don't, I never lose sleep over it. I don't wish I could. I don't think I could. I don't think that they should. All the things. I feel fine. But I'll say that tension was there. Does that make sense? But not in a bad no, way. Totally not in a bad way. It's just I would be dumb no. not to acknowledge it. No, I get it. Because, I mean, you're you're a member of the church or you're a member of a particular family and community. And so being able or knowing that you have this gift that you were able to express, express in a different family, I can see how there's a tension with that. But not in a bad way. That's exactly right. Like, I just, I think there's tension sometimes that's okay. 
Yeah. I mean, we have tension between do I want oat milk today or almond? Neither, neither choice is a bad choice. Milk, but, you know. Why, why not oat? Well, I, I like both of them. But then you, <laughs> you know, like almond better than oat milk. I like them both kind of equally. I don't really care. But then I read something uh, the almond milk's better, so I thought I like them both. So why not just pick almond? <laughs> Let I, me say this because <laughs> this this is a random tangent. So like I used to be team almond uh-huh. just because the thought of oat milk, right. It felt like oh y'all just want me to drink a cup of carbs because uh-huh. when I think oat, I think oatmeal, yep. and therefore I think carbohydrates, and then I think extra fat. And so I was thinking in my mind, like, I don't like that. But I tried oat milk and it has the best texture, I think, of alternative dairy options. Now, I'm only the only dairy I'm putting. Well, I eat a lot of cheese, but I don't drink like a glass of milk. So it's just a coffee thing for me. Yeah, no, that's odd. So, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, I feel like five-year-olds do that right. on Christmas Eve. <laughs> so my, <laughs> I, I think one thing about you, and I, I, I fail to give people any context for who I am. So I'm Jackie. I'm your friend. I also teach the Bible, have a family and a podcast on your network called 30 Minutes with the Paris. So if you've never heard of me, that's fine. I probably don't even want you to hear of me, but that's why I'm a bet we're a lot here of money together. Everyone knows who you are, but whatever. <laughs> Maybe not. I, me and you have had discussions at conferences about how oftentimes, I don't know if typecasted is the word, but you are sort of typecasted where people see you as a podcaster, as a, a host. And so that's usually what you're called for. Yet you have this passion and this gift to teach God's word. I would be interested to know, like, how have you worked through that particular tension where you have a drive and a, and a zeal and a desire to walk in your giftedness in one way, yet you're not even given the room to do so? Like, how do you wrestle through that? Yeah, I would say I've gotten better at it. But I will say at the beginning of my career of traveling and teaching God's word, I felt a lot of tension within myself. And it was an insecurity that I had that I always wondered, who do they want? Like, they know me on the happy hour. So do they want happy hour, Jamie? Do they want funny, sarcastic, Jamie? And then sometimes I would like teach and people would be like, wow, I didn't expect that from you. And so it put me in the spot where I felt like, who do they want? Now at 44, a little bit more mature, a little bit more secure in my calling and life, I can walk in and say, here's what you're going to get. I don't know what you're expecting, but here's what you're going to get. And I do think that I'm great at my job as an interviewer. I think I'm great at podcasting. I think I'm great as a person who leads things on stages you know the group the the panels like and and (laughs) you are great honestly everyone thinks anyone can lead a panel and i'm just here to say no you can't (laughs) no you can't absolutely not (laughs) and so i think it's one of my giftings but i also really love teaching and i was i was actually a school teacher before i uh, had kids did you know that about me jackie yeah i was a school no i didn't or maybe i did and a coach. I was a teacher and a coach. So I really love encouraging people. And to me, that's what it feels like for me. Staying on stage, opening God's word is just saying, hey, how can I encourage you in your walk with the Lord? That's where I feel my best. I was telling someone the other day, I don't feel like I had this. I, I love evangelism. And I think everyone's called to tell people about the good news of Jesus and evangelize. But I'm not going to get on a stage and have people fall out like, I'm giving my life to the Lord. Uh, like, you know, maybe that would happen at a glory conference or Chris ja- Jamie Graham. <laughs> yeah. But I, I see it as like, how do I get up and encourage women and men to walk faithfully in the calling God's put on their life? So yeah, I wrestle with that tension a lot. Then it still comes up every once in a while. I feel a lot more confident now though, than I did years ago. That's beautiful. Yeah. I remember when, you know, cause I kind of started my ministry life as a poet. Mm-hmm. 
And so for so, so many years, maybe a solid decade, that's all I was called for yeah. was to do poems at conferences and in churches and all the things. But my, I think that's where I first met you. you most were, likely think, at a you. verge. Uh-huh. Yep. Even my poems were a vehicle for teaching because my poems were really teachy. And I remember specifically talking to the Lord and I was like, Lord, I want to teach. Mm-hmm. Like people keep calling me to do poems, but this is what I want to do. Like, can you open up those doors? And he did. And so I say it because I'm pretty sure there's people listening who feel that, who are like, Lord, like I'm, I want to do this, but they're calling me for that. Mm-hmm. And how do I wrestle with contentment so yet good. also have desire? Yeah. Yeah. And so I think we just have to put that petition before the Lord mm-hmm. and let his time work itself out, you know, because e- even in the meantime, he's building us and yeah. he's doing something in us while we wait, yeah. as you could attest. And so many know? people, I think, would sit in discontentment because they're like, but this is what I want to do is on the other side of this door or whatever. And so they would sit in discontentment. And I don't know the mind of the father, but I would really think that he would, he would want you to be content before he moves you into another door. And, um, I think that is where it can get really, really hard, especially for young believers. I mean, especially because you're just like, you got all this fire and you're ready. And here I go, God, open up the doors, open up the doors. Mm -hmm. And so often he's like, I need you to sit in this contentment and be where you are. So Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. because in 2018, I was at Wendy's preaching to my coworkers on Easter. You get what I'm saying? Like I was still walking in my gifts, even if it wasn't in the context I thought my gifts should thrive in. Mm. And so I think I think the place you're in is always the place God wants you to be, yeah. even if it doesn't feel like it. Now you mentioned your age. Mm-hmm. You thought you, you I, look at me and you thought, how could she be 44? Well, the Wi-Fi is blurry, so I could <laughs> I can't I, I can't really affirm but that you question. Seen me. But yeah, you, you, you look young. Thank you. You, you look, you look I, like I was, you're on the edge of 38. I was really fishing for a compliment there, but go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> you, you're on the edge of 38. Now, I feel like when I started having kids, that's when I started to really get a sense of how fast time moves. Mm-hmm. And then like even watching my mom, it's just like, oh man, like she moves slower. Mm-hmm. Her face is different. And just seeing like, oh, time is really not slowing down for us. And I realized, and I told the Lord, I was like, Lord, I think I idolized my youth a little bit. Mm-hmm. And so I'm I'm afraid of what it, it if I don't deal with this now, mm-hmm. w- how I might be when I'm 50. And so how have you processed aging? Mm-hmm. Like, how, where are you at? How old are you, Jackie? That? 33. 33. Okay. Jesus is uh, age. Gee, looky there. Hey, uh, yeah. I'll tell you this. 40 was not hard for me. I was I was super excited to turn 40. And 40, I was, I'm 44, so I've got four years into this decade. It's been probably my best decade ever. The hardest year for me was 36. And I'll tell you why it seems weird. But I remember 36, I went, okay, I'm no longer a young 30. I'm no longer mid-30. I'm now... Almost, I'm closer to 40 than I've ever been. And so that was kind of, and that's also when I started doing what I'm doing now. I mean, I started in 2014 with this podcast. And so before then, stay at home mom, teacher, coach, going to go back to teaching, worked in the radio. So for me, it was 36 where I started to go, oh, okay. And I think I, I was telling Aaron something recently. I'll be 45 in May. And, and I'm starting to be aware of these ages more now because for me, I think, okay, let's say I live to 80. Listen, I don't want to be in my 90s. Don't take me to 100, God. Take me home. Like, this is not okay. Uh, let's say I live to be 80. I just hit like the halfway mark, if you think about it. 
zero to 20, nobody counts it. Who cares? What are you doing? You're doing nothing but acting a fool. I was 20 to 30, trying to figure things out. I have all my kids before I'm 30. I'm learning marriage, all the things. 30 to 40 for me was those first couple of years of my 30s were the hardest years of my life as far as parenting and exhaustion and is this my life because I'm not sure I like this, all those things. And then I hit 40 and I'm like, okay, I I feel good. And now, Jackie, I this is weird, but I'm looking towards 50 and I'm already declaring, I don't know where it's coming from, but I'm like, it's going to be my best decade yet. Now, why? Watch the Lord take what me makes, home at forty nine. Ma- you know, but still, <laughs> oh, we we not speaking that. I'm not going to nobody's funeral. Okay. Now, what makes it the best though? I, like, how, is it you mean physically, emotionally, mentally? I mean, I feel all of it. So we're at this weird stage with our kids, where in my daughter's a freshman. Before I turn fifty, I don't have no children in my house. Now, let's be real; they always come back and show up. There they are. Right, right, right. But Aaron and I just are going we're going to have a completely different life than we've ever had before. We had kids uh, two years into our marriage. We've, we've been parents almost all of our marriage. We're looking at our fifties going, God, what are you going to do with two people who don't have kids at home anymore, who have in our eyes, a lot more free time, a lot more availability than we've had in the last 15 years, more money potentially than we've had because we're, you know, getting kids out of our house under our belt, aren't paying those cell phones anymore, all that other stuff. We just kind of are going, here we are open-handed, and we're so excited about that decade. Now, I still have five and a half years before I get there, so I'm not so much as like, oh, just wait till I get to 50. That's when I'm going to turn it on. I feel like the Lord this fall has been pressing on me, like these next years, I'm preparing you for something. And that feels scary. It also feels humbling. It also feels amazing. I, I love dreaming about things. And so that's new for me, this whole like going into my 50s. I also I also have friends who are in their 50s and their lives are on fire for Jesus. And I just think, God, we so long, we just think our life is over at like we have kids and then we're done. We're washed up. There's other people. And I just, here's an example, Jackie. You know who Sheila Walsh is? I've heard of her. Sheila Walsh. I won't give her age here because she didn't let me, but she's in her mid 60s. She just started a new path in her career. And her and I were having a conversation and I cannot stop thinking about it. She didn't mention the fact that she was in her mid 60s and she just started a new path. I took it in and was like, God, look at this. Like, who am I to think Mm. at 44, all of my opportunities to do great things for you are done. I feel like it's just I just Mm. I just have this feeling like something good Mm. is going to be happening. So. All that about aging, I'm fine with it. That's really encouraging because I think what you're saying is is wise, which is indicative of the of your age. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like mm-hmm. there's there's a wisdom associated with it. Yeah, because I think I was I was thinking about it earlier and I was like there is as if we feel like when we're young is when we're best. Mm-hmm. What really is not that you're at your best. You just look a certain kind of way. You might appeal to a, a demographic because of your style, your coolness. And I think that's the fear for me. It's like, oh, I won't be cool. Mm-hmm. I won't be beautiful in the way that I, I deem beauty, beauty when the emphasis shouldn't be on that. It should be on my wisdom. Like looking forward to aging is really looking forward to wisdom, which is wisdom. And so Mm -hmm. I'm encouraged by that. It's like when you see someone in their 20s that's been married for a hot minute release a marriage book. You know, 
you're just kind of like that's why i re- that's why i laugh at publishers when they're like hey like you you impress want to write about marriage why would we ever do that when people come that's to the me, most arrogant thing well, we listen, could ever do i've got a, a 19 year old two 17 year olds and a 15 year old and people come to me and say hey would you want to write about parenting i'm like i won't touch that with a 10 foot pole because a i'm in the thick of it b most days i wake up going i don't know what the actual h i'm doing with these kids you know and so uh no no thank you on that one but anyhow there's that but yeah. I'm, but what you're saying is like like just age brings wisdom i mean it really does yeah and yeah especially in even in the old testament a lot of the patriarchs and the people we look to they were really old when they were mm-hmm. called abraham was in his, his 70s i feel like moses was in his 80s somewhere you know jesus was probably one of the youngest cats out here killing it mm-hmm. in his young age but it's because he's god he's so god. i don't even yeah. think that count yeah they don't he, even he, count he can't be in the running he, he's not even in the same yeah, no. the same category yeah. Mm-mm, mm-hmm. yeah he was in the temple wise in, in luke <laughs> so I, I i think just we have it twisted about what ministry means in light of aging mm-hmm. you know yeah. now you don't care anything about like you know wrinkles and stuff like that because i've heard i had a conversation with somebody last week and they live in the South. They live in, I ain't going to say where they live, but they, they were saying that they're struggling with the fact that so many of their friends and this person I was talking to was in their fifties are getting Botox and lifters. And they were like, that is a temptation for them because it feels like it's unfair that they are kind of reversing themselves. And this person doesn't have that kind of room or right or heart to do that. Does it make sense what I'm saying? It makes sense. Like, is that a tension that you've observed in even your friendships? Okay. Remember th- how I started this show and I was like, I feel out of control here. I feel vulnerable. I don't know where Jackie's going to go. <laughs> I'm going to let you know that I am sitting here right now in some tension. All right. And I'm going to be, I'm going to be, I'm going to be real, real right now. Okay. We'll see, okay. If, this, we'll see if this makes the show. So I have, I have friends on two different sides. I have friends mm-hmm. on sides that are like, it would be vanity to get Botox. Okay. So like, what are we doing? We're, we're, we're playing with things that shouldn't be played with. I have friends on the other side who are like, we live in 2022. We get our hair dyed. We get our eyebrows waxed. We get, we get a facial, all these things. So where, why is Botox any different? Right? Like mm. we live in 2022. We have the technology is basically what they're saying. Mm-hmm. Why would they not? Dear Jesus, help me. Here we go. So uh, I decided, Jackie, I literally have told four people this, and I'm now telling you plus everyone listen. I decided I was going to try Botox. All right. Okay. Oh, Jesus, help me. <laughs> Look, I'm looking at Lizzie because she knows. Woo! I love it. This so, is amazing. So I did this fall. Um, okay. How was that? I loved it. Where'd you put it? Just very little. You can, uh-huh. I, I still can move all my things. But yes, because you look really, you look emotive. Thank you. I can do all my things. I wanted the smallest okay. thing. And so I did just in, uh-huh. in between my eyebrows. I had that real uh-huh. big indention. So I'm going to let you know, I've been talking with God a lot about a lot of things this fall. Mm. And this keeps coming up by him, not me. Like that's that's where we are in this situation. Um, What's coming up for me is not about vanity. It's about finances. And so that's a whole, I, I don't lean on the side of, this is bad because of vanity things. And I can't believe I'm telling the entire world this right now, but I am. But what God keeps talking to me about, is this the best way to use your resources? And 
it can almost make me cry because I don't want I don't want to have these conversations with God because a couple of reasons. I don't want anyone to tell me what to do that I'm just going to keep it real. I don't want anyone to tell me what to do with money that I make. And I don't want to have to lay things down. Like I just I want to hold everything that I want to do because I want to do it and it's my thing. And so I have been wrestling through this a lot over the fall. I can't believe we're talking about this. I've been wrestling with this a lot. And the, God's asked me to lay a lot of things down. And this is one of them. And I'm going to be real honest with you. I don't want to lay it down. Does it feel petty to you? It feels, I'm going to say the dumbest thing. It doesn't, it feels like it's none of God's business. <laughs> I'm just going to be real. I just am like, God, I'm not hurting anybody. Like, it's not a vanity thing for me. And, and I, I, and I, I don't want plastic surgery anywhere. I just want to get rid of this wrinkle in between my eyes. That's it. I mean, you know, I'm literally like, God, what's the big deal? Um, but I feel like he's asking me to lay some things down that I hold on tighter than things that he's asking me to pick up. And this mm. dumb thing is one of them. And I, mm. I'm not embarrassed. And I literally have only told like five people, so I can't believe I'm having this conversation. But I don't know what I'm going to do in 2023, Jackie. Mm-hmm. I, I will I will keep you up to date. I feel like God's asking me to lay it down, and I just don't want to. That's fair. Yeah, because this is funny, because I had a similar, it, it wasn't Botox, but since we're being, this isn't vulnerable, but it is very transparent, yeah. which is probably earlier this year. Maybe it was, I was in class. No, this is before I had a baby. So about a year ago. You had a lot of babies recently, so figure that out. I have. It's my my, my belly button is invisible. So <laughs> I was in class and I've, you know, the Lord is, has blessed me financially to a certain degree. And so I was like, you know what? I've just been, I, I'm a person who I can, I can lean modest, yet I also like luxury. Mm-hmm. And so I've been really modest with some of the purchases I made. And I was just like, Lord, I want a Benz. Like, I just, I just want one. I can afford it. Like, this isn't a bad financial decision. Uh, my, my accountant said, hey, you need a business purchase. Just go ahead and buy your car on the things. And I was in uh, my seminary class, and he was talking through finances. And I felt the Lord so strongly say no. Mm. No. And I just started to cry in class. And everybody, they just listening to him teach. And I'm like, I was getting so frustrated. And I got in the car and I was like, Lord, this doesn't feel fair. It's just a car. You know what I'm saying? And then I just kept petitioning God and like, I need to understand. Like, I just need to know your wisdom in this because your no is wise on mm-hmm. some degree. And I'm obviously not discerning why. Um, and I had a conversation with a friend. And she just randomly brought up like how, you know, cars are unhelpful when it comes to certain credit scores and all the things. And I was like, oh, God, you're protecting me from Mm. something by telling me no to this Mm -hmm. because you're trying to leave room for a better yes. And so I think that's how I would encourage your heart Mm. is that his no is never mean. His no is never wasted. His no is never lacking love Mm. or foresight. Um, But it is training and disciplining you to trust the father. Mm. Even uh, another conversation I had with Eden a couple of weeks ago, and we were telling her we didn't want her to watch a certain show. And we tried to explain why she didn't want to watch the show. And she kept saying she doesn't understand. I said, okay, we're at the point where there's a level of mystery here. 
And because there's mystery, there just needs to be submission from you. Yeah. And you just have to trust that our no is a good no. Mm-hmm. And so that's my encouragement to you. Well, thank it, it you. Sucks, but- I think the hardest thing for me, <clears throat> and you're in the same boat with your story as well, is that like no one would know about this. You know what I mean? Like this could just be between me and my checkbook and my husband. Like, it, it it's not like I'm out here wilding out doing something crazy, you know, mm-hmm. like I literally am just God's asking me to lay something down that no one mm-hmm. would know about until now that yeah. I told everybody. Yeah. But I, to me also, <laughs> the comfort for me in that is like, man, God, I want to know you. And I want at this point in my life at, at 45, I'm not out here by the grace of God making massive moral failure decisions. Right. Like this is just mm-hmm. not where I am. Uh, and hopefully I never will be, but to know that God is still asking for every part of me, even the part that mm. is like no one knows about. And even the part that, you know what, I'm a grown woman who has a mm. job and I mm-hmm. don't have a moral issue with Botox. Like that's not it for me, mm-hmm. you know, like, yeah. and he's still going, I'm, I need you to give that over. It's hard. Do you, do you think that because you've been walking with Jesus for how long now? I got saved in January of 99. 1999 for all you people. I can't count, so you got to help me. 24, 23, 24 years. Okay, like that. so most of my life. Mm-hmm. Now, I've, I've, I've argued behind the pulpit at times that when you become a new, when you become a Christian, there's kind of these big sins you have to die to for some of us, where it's like, okay, I'm going to stop being an alcoholic. Mm-hmm. Or I'm going to stop having sex. Or I'm going to stop watching porn. Like these super obnoxious uh-huh. big sins. But the more you walk with Jesus, it becomes more subtle. Would you say that that's been your experience? 100%. When I started following Jesus, yeah. the things I had to give up. I did give up yeah. drinking, even though I don't subscribe that drinking is a sin. But I, I gave up drinking yeah. because I was a heavy drinker in college. Mm-hmm. I had to give up sex. I was having sex with anybody that had sex with me. And so these bi- – I watched porn when I was in college dating a guy. So there there were some, like, big things. And I'm like, oh, I got to die to these things uh, because that's what you're asking me to do. And then I – you just kind of get into a rhythm. And for me now, it's totally true. I mean, I just told you one that I – that the sin I had to deal with. I got other stuff that God's – God's been doing a lot in my heart this fall. And so there are things that nobody knows about. You know, there are things that if I didn't confess them to my husband, even he might not even know about them, you know, or my friends, my close, close, close friends. So – I think it's so true. And what I don't want, what I fear, this is, this is a fear of mine. What I fear is that I won't fear those things anymore. Uh, uh Uh-huh. Those, like, this is super dumb, but like, I started watching a TV show the other day that everyone's talking about. I've actually seen one of the other seasons. And, And again, this is not a let me give you a list of what you should watch on TV. I don't play that game, you know, like, and I think everybody has different tendencies that they have to be aware of based on the struggles in their life. And I started watching the show and I knew where it was going. There's going to be a lot of infidelity. There's going to be a lot of sex. And I, my mind just can't go there. Like I can't separate that sometimes in seasons of my life from infidelity on TV to then thinking my husband is out here cheating on me and so for me it's a protection and that's a god thing that's a, that's me that's him saying i don't think this is best for you right now and me going all right i'm gonna lay it down even though i really want to watch this show yeah I, th- I think when you were talking and i was thinking about how 
we have a lot of plants in my home and my mother is kind of like the green thumb of the family. That's her, her spiritual gift. If there is one called that. And the other day I was, I was talking and there's this big plant behind us and she came with some scissors and she just cut off a leaf, you know? And it's like, I wonder if the, the more we grow in Jesus, that's what the pruning process mm. looks like, where it's not like he's cutting off branches. Mm-hmm. He just prunes mm-hmm. a leaf. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and by pruning that leaf, then somehow we're able to thrive into the tree that God wants us to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it, it's, it feels nitpicky, but it actually shows how particular God cares for us. Mm-hmm. Ooh, that's a good word. That's a good word right there. <laughs> for yep. me. Mm-hmm. Now... You like Sister Wives. Oh, do I like Sister Wives. Have you ever seen it? No, it just seems weird, Jamie. Okay, let, no, I'm going to tell you. I started watching Sister Wives years ago, season one, and I loved it. And then life happened. Okay. Maybe we didn't have cable. I missed a bunch of seasons. Well, I got the flu a couple weeks ago, and I dove uh-huh. in so deep that I think to Sister Wives. The, Aaron and I talk about these women as if we know them because we have been in so deep. I pulled him down into this trap. He watches it with me. So Sister Wives is three wives and one man. And I, okay. I don't like talking bad about people behind their back. But I'm going to tell you, this is crazy. This is crazy. These people oh, be crazy. Okay. They are, I think Mormons would say they're not Mormons. If that makes sense. Okay. Like, like, we don't want to yeah. have nothing to do with this because polygamy yeah. was banned by the Mormon church. Versions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so it is just this dissect into humanity. They talk, they're dealt with je- jealousy, obviously. Hello. Um, they really feel as though this is like their path to get to heaven. And so that's been very intriguing. In fact, I even screen recorded one thing. One of the, the husbands said recently, he's like, I've worked so hard my whole life to make sure we all get there. And now it's falling apart. And so I was Ooh, just like, oh, that's man. Exhausting. exhausting, right? So, I mean, here I am sitting here telling you guys asking me not to watch one TV show, but I am loving some Sister Wives. <laughs> Woo! Love it. I, I love mean, it. it. So, you and Preston you, talked about this on your show once. What was it? Polygamy? Poly, poly, polyamory. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's interesting because it's becoming more of a frequent conversation that I think we would have considered because I think, you know, Christians, their radar, their antennas are on like homosexuality Mm -hmm. and pornography, Mm -hmm. but I don't think we're ready for the polyamory discussion yet. Can you tell us what Um, polyamory is? Because it's different than polygamy or is it it, not? I would have, I have to Google that. Let me see. Cause I don't know the difference child. Because I'm not ready for it either, obviously. The the thing is, like, we polygamy, we're like, oh, gross. But this polyamory, like, I read an article maybe somewhere about how it's, like, coming into the church. Oh, for for sure. So polyamory is a form of ethical non-monogamy that involves committed relationships between two or more people. I wonder if polygamy has to do with, uh, like, marriage. Mm -hmm. They would say they're all spiritually married. Yes. So polygamy is the practice or custom of having more than one wife or husband at the same time. So mm-hmm. I guess the the, dif- the definitions hinge on marriage or not. Mm-hmm. I, I, one time I was listening to, I think I found it on Twitter, this pastor was basically arguing, which is what me and Preston were talking about, how the Trinity, because God is one God that exists in three persons and they love one another, that that was... 
I guess, a good framework for why we as people can exist in relationship with more than one person and love them too. So he just left out the whole rest of the Bible. He did. He left out Genesis uh, (laughs) 2. Like he he left out Ephesians 5. Jesus talking about marriage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But I also, when I heard it, I thought to myself, how many Christians would hear that and get stuck? and say oh well i guess that's a good point it's not a good point Mm -hmm. but it does tell you how deceitful sin is where people like false teachers will continue to use the nature of god and the testimony of scripture to push us into all types of deceitful and crazy ways because i mean being with one man is a lot right oh it's a lot aaron says when we watch this he says i can imagine nothing worse than being married to more than one woman he's like it's hard work being married to you and i love you yeah. <laughs> like you know yeah 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 it's a lot but yeah it's it's like my uh it's not a secret i'm not ashamed of it but it's like that you know people are like what's that thing that you can't believe that you're into i'm like i can't believe i like this show like i just can't believe it but i do I'm intrigued. Do I have any weird shows? I don't think I have any weird show loves. I'm just really obsessed with serial killer shows. Mm. So I don't know if that's weird. That's not. I, but I, that's a thing for I me. I appreciate that. Yeah. You appreciate serial killer shows? I appreciate Did the you movie. watch Dahmer? Uh, I did not. But Aaron okay. and my boys did. Okay. Which is a lot. Uh, but no, I did not. I don't. I That would have felt kind of real and a little scary to me. Hmm. No, it was demonic. Yeah, it was demonic. Yeah. But I was, (laughs) in hindsight, I felt like maybe I shouldn't watch this. Mm -hmm. But I'm so intrigued by the life of Dahmer and serial killers. But speaking of your boys, I do have a question about parenthood. Even though you don't want to write a book about parenthood, Mm -hmm. I still think it would be helpful Mm -hmm. because I do think that people who have kind of raised past tense Mm -hmm. their children that they do have a wisdom that people like me who are raising Mm -hmm. our children can learn from and one of the things that i'm really struggling with this is going to be the most simplistic question is making your kids nice to one another Like that's because I feel like people are always talking about like, you know, family Bible time and teaching them worship and make sure they do their homework. And it's like, yeah, but they don't they're they're mean to one another. Mm -hmm. So how have you helped your kids love one another? Jamie, you are not an only child, but kind of an only child. Right. Because aren't you all your siblings older than you? Correct. I was raised alone. That's what I thought. So I have one brother. And I look back on my childhood, we're four years apart, and I wouldn't say that I liked him. And now I like him, like as grownups, you know, and like I'm all the things. Uh, Our kids are all close. They're all within four years. So right now, like I said, we got almost 19. So technically right now, 18, 17, 17, 15. These, These jokers be close. Okay. And I would say that one of the hardest, saddest things for me is watching my kids when they're not being nice to each other the way they treat each other. As a mom, you're just like, y'all, can't we just all get along? On the flip side, some of my greatest moments are when we're all together getting along. And I will tell you this, the best experiences that Aaron and I have had with our kids, probably hands down, have been when, we got, when we've gotten out of our normal everyday routine. 
and I say this knowing that this comes with privilege. So I'm going to set that up. But we went on a trip this summer and we were gone for four weeks and my kids were lovely to each other. They're out of their routine. They're away from their home. They're away from their technology devices and they're lovely to each other. A couple of years ago, we took our family on a trip to Mexico. And when we go out, we, we no internet, no phones, no nothing. And they're just, they are lovely with each other. Every trip we've ever been on, they're lovely with each other. Uh, we have a family night every Sunday night. Now that my kids are older, all three boys have jobs. So we say, hey, here's the deal. You work whenever you want, but you got to be at church on Sunday morning and you got to be home for dinner on Sunday night. Cause it's like, we're an eat together family. Like we've always been that eat together all the time. And now it's like only Sunday nights. And just this past Sunday, and it doesn't happen every Sunday, but just this past Sunday, we ended dinner, we did the dishes and we all just sat in the living room. Like we were one big, happy, loving family for like 25 minutes and just hung out. And I think what I'm trying to say is for me as a mom, it is those moments that I go, okay, here we are. And then the other moments is where I go, okay, we're learning. Like this is, this is like a part of childhood and growing up. I'm not saying that we accept unkindness, but I am just yeah. saying as an encouragement, there are moments where I go, okay, they do like each other. Even though there are moments yeah. where I'm like, you guys are going to kill each other. This is crazy. Um, yeah. But I think every family is different. I think every parenting journey is different. And I say, the number one thing I say is just keep being consistent with whatever that is. Like being yeah. consistent with how you call your kids up as to how they need to act. That's how we think of it. It's like, we're going to call you up. You're not going to meet it almost a third of the time. You're not going to meet our calling, but we're going to continue yeah. to call you up when that. So that's excellent. Yeah. That gives me hope because because I was raised like an only child, I feel like I don't have the experience mm -hmm. um, to know how to work through sibling yeah. things, mm -hmm. and so. But I do have kind of the the experience of loneliness and how that loneliness has influenced all of my adult relationships, yeah. and so the the selfishness, the pride, the secrecy, the all the things, and so I'm always pushing against what. I don't want them to experience as adults, yeah. if I, that makes sense. I've told my kids before, if we all live to be 80, all right, if, if, if God doesn't take any of us home sooner than, than that, the, you know, life expectancy for here in America, my kids, their relationship with each other will be the longest relationship they have on this earth. It's longer mm -hmm. than with me That's and good. Aaron. It's longer than their spouse. It's longer than their children if they have them or if they get married. That's the longest relationship they'll ever have. And so yeah. I try to think through that as a parenting lens and set them up for success of like, you, you got each other. Like, this is it. Because mom and dad, we're going to die. Excellent. You're not, if you get married, and that's not a thing. You don't have to. If you get married, it's not going to be till later. You know, so how do we look through that lens of these are your people forever? Yeah. Amen. Well, thank you for allowing me to interview you, Jamie Ivy. We ja talked about a lot of things. Ooh, we went, we went there, Jackie. Thank you uh, <laughs> for interviewing me. Here's, I'll, I'll say this. And I, I don't know if I said this at the beginning that when we were thinking about who we wanted to do this, you immediately came to mind for a couple of reasons. Number one, you're good at it. But number two, every time I'm with you, which we don't live in the same city, we're not at events together all the time but every time I'm with you I feel this like ease and comfort and just like slide into friendship that yeah. is from afar you know and um and yeah. so I knew I would feel safe too I appreciate that that's probably why you cried you oh, felt safe I felt safe even on Riverside came. FM even yeah. on Riverside the tears came uh Jack well I was gonna say thank you but thank thank you for interviewing me on my show and there's that no this is special 
All right, y'all. Well, nice to meet y'all via the thing. And then Jamie Ivy got books and she be preaching and she got kids and she got a whole lot of merch that she be selling on Instagram and y'all should buy all her shirts. (laughs) That's all I got to say. Jackie, thank you. Bye-bye. The Happy Hour with Jamie Ivy is a production of Ivy Media Podcast. Executive produced by Jamie Ivy, produced by Lindsay Sweeney, edited by Angie Elkins, show notes by Ashley Miner, art by Jen Jet Barrett, original music by Matt Graham, and I'm your host, Jamie. Have a happy hour with a friend. <laughs>